0: My guest this week is Rick Roberts, an actor you may remember from Traders, Republic of Doyle, and This Life. He also turned up in Pontypool and Still Mine, and of course he played Jack Layton in the CBC movie Jack, a role which earned him both the Canadian Screen Award and the Actor Toronto Award for Best Actor. He's currently on stage in Toronto at Soulpepper, playing Pozzo in Daniel Brooks's production of Waiting for Godot. I grabbed him earlier this summer when he was just starting rehearsals. Rick chose Eraserhead David Lynch's first feature, and still one of the strangest American movies ever made. A seething black-and-white nightmare starring Jack Nance as a man named Henry who has a weird job and an even weirder home life, Eraserhead escaped into the world like a virus, incubating itself within tens of thousands of midnight moviegoers, and setting Lynch on one of the strangest and most distinctive careers in modern movie making. Forty years later, there's still nothing else like it. This is someone else's movie.
1: I think, I don't know, if so, not so much, the, the I don't think it's my favorite movie, but I it's one of those things that when I was younger I was living in Edmonton and it was playing at the Princess Theatre and it must have been not in its original run because I I was older than that but I was before I was into anything to do with acting or anything like that and and I don't know even why I went in what made me want to go into the theatre but when I watched it I was I had no clue that things like that exist like that that art like that or anything like that so it blew my mind, and the next day I made my brother and a couple of friends come and see it, and they looked at me like I was out of my... like. <laughs> so they watched it as well? They went to see it, and my brother, I remember my brother sitting there, I kept looking at me, and I'm going, I didn't write it. Like, <laughs> suddenly, because he's going, he hated it. He's going, yeah. what is this? And I'm going, I didn't make it, I just like it. But it was the, a bunch of things at that time. My dinner with Andre was a bit like that too, only I saw that on laser disc in the yeah. library. And I don't know how it ended up in our house, because nothing in my family life, whatever, but I remember w- watching that and being just blown away by the, just the fact of it, I think. And, and I think there's something in Eraserhead like I, I don't know why I equate with the Violent Femmes, that famous Violent Femmes album. There's something of male adolescent sexuality and
0: yeah.
1: uh, that's that I recognize now more than I think back then I just thought it was really cool. And then now I watch it and I go, oh, that's obvious. Yeah. Just you know that whatever his uh, wrestlings with all that stuff is uh, so clearly in, in the movie. So I think it has, the, Henry is coming up that thwarted longing and that kind of desperately alone kind of sexual self-loathing. Yeah. Which is, you
0: know, Repression and, and fear of parenthood. Totally fear of parenthood. You know, the and other thing that didn't occur to me on my first watching yeah, either. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, either at metaphor all. And completely mis- Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I mean, I would have been. I probably had a similar experience. So the first time I saw it in a the theater was at the Bloor Cinema okay. here in, I want to guess, 88 or 89. I was taken by a couple of film school friends. And one of them had seen it, one of them had not. And I. I might have watched the VHS tape of it. I might have seen a bootleg, right. maybe. But I don't think I had. Maybe a piece of it. I, yeah. I, I knew what it was. Yeah, yeah. But again, you know, listeners who grew up before the internet, you don't know what the world was like. These no, things yeah. would just show up. They would be artifacts that appeared. And you had to... I remember I was talking
1: to Daniel Brooks, a theater director in mm-hmm. town, and he was talking about he, he had a list of 40 movies that he wanted to see. But when he was a kid, you had to wait for it, the film to show up in your town. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You had to, it had to show up in a the cinema, then you had to go that day to see it. <clears> or he, you just wouldn't...
0: Yeah, if you were lucky yeah. enough to be around when it happened, or television, you had to be home. It used to be that that was it. Yeah. There was no second chance.
1: Or when you're writing VHSs, I used to watch all these old French movies, and they looked like shit. <laughs> I just thought that's the way movies looked back then, and then DVDs came along, and oh, it's yeah. just the VHS looks like
0: shit. Yeah, 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 Like shit. For years, the only way to see Head was in a full-frame VHS tape that satisfied nobody. Yeah, yeah. Um, although it was originally, it was released in Scratchy 35 with, I, I don't think it ever looked pristine. Right. But the jump for me was the soundtrack when they remastered it for Surround. Oh, right on. uh, Which Lynch did sometime in the early 90s, it must have been, because it played TIFF. They had a a screening of it at the Uptown One. Oh, right on. uh, Which is where I saw it properly for the first time, because at the Blur it was fine, but the sound was never very good, and and it was muddy anyway. Yeah. But because this was the new release, it was a restoration of the the print as well, and that was crystal clarity. That was incredible. Wow. And I still couldn't explain it to people. I, I don't think I was capable of it. Um, Just explain the content of the movie? Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, people would say, you know, like, oh, that movie sounds weird. What's it about? And it's like, well, it's weird. Yeah, that's about right. But it is about all kinds of stuff. It's about, I mean, now the narrative to me is, is watching it and I think, oh, this is David Lynch figuring out what he wants to do. This is his art. Yes. And yeah. his, his own struggle with domesticity or what it means to be... Person in the world, like, well, even our culture, the
1: like, uh, and I think that is another thing that because at some point it became clear to me that because I was brought up, you know, unironically in this culture, right? And you, there's a kind of a something in your brain that goes, something's not quite right about this, but you have no frame of reference, Mm -hmm. and then you see something like a racer head or blue velvet where it becomes apparent like that like what am I doing what, what the yeah, things what, that we think of as normal or so like his life even though the world is insane in in, in Eraserhead his life is very mundane and it doesn't seem to I mean the beauty of that guy's performance Jack Vance's performance is that is the constant feeling that he's not living his real life mm-hmm. and I think that that's very appealing and 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 I think that's kind of what David Lynch I mean even when you, I think when you say Lynchian it's that kind of the underbelly beneath this kind of normal and that explains like you know the, the soundscape even now just coming here normally I think in movies they kind of the ambient sound of a city feels distant and benign yeah but when you really if, if you shift your attention to it it is it is like in Eraserhead it's a constant
0: a drone menacing yeah.
1: drone that's got n- nuance and just suggests in any room
0: yeah well that's that was the thing that really uh, stuck with me in, the, in watching the remastered version in the theater with the new soundtrack is that he weaponizes room tone he makes he really
1: does that's he a makes great way empty to it. space sound yeah. threatening yeah but it's in a way like but in, when you do a play and the idea of you know because stage work is like silence and, and you go there is no silence Man. it's actually we have to agree on whatever the, the not speaking part is is silence but if you ever been in real silence it's shocking yeah. we don't don't actually get we all agree what what is silence and it's like he kind of violates that agreement in in the movie
0: by yeah by violating everything <clears throat> yes by, by violating our sense of reality and our sense yeah. of calm the 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 most unsettling thing that that Lynch does in any movie is hold on someone who's about to scream Yes, he does yeah. it all the time to the point where it should be a trope, yeah, yeah. And I should be used to it. And every time, especially when it's Laura Dern for some reason, it's just like, oh, don't do that. It just, it's just so unsettling and wrong. Some people were bothered by the the shaky head effect in Lost Highway, and other people were freaked out by the rabbits in Inland Empire. I saw it at a theater. I've once. seen that one. People did not like that scene. Right. I mean, I saw I saw Inland Empire at the. Uh, Palm Springs Film Festival right. in January of 2007, surrounded by elderly theater goers, people who just <laughs> wandered in because there was a screening oh, in the all of this. M- like
1: a lovely title. Film
0: that they recognized with that nice Laura Dern, and yeah. they had no idea. I don't think any of them knew who David Lynch was. Yeah, yeah. And it just it played like a like a lead brick, but the rabbit sequence where um, Lynch incorporates footage of, of a video thing he'd shot with three people with wearing rabbit heads. Oh, okay. Standing around in a kind of an ordinary um, conventional suburban kitchen, that sort of thing. Right. People did not like that. They just, you could feel the room shift and there was all sorts of other hallucinatory imagery but the rabbit sequences just bothered them.
1: Well, when I, I just re-watched The race with my son and he actually, I think he admired it yeah. and he said it made him want to make movies which I think is another thing Yeah, yeah. about a raceway. It's a bit like uh, punk rock or
0: oh it's absolutely punk rock where yeah. it
1: feels to set like think, I could do that and then you try it and you can't because the good stuff is tight and, yeah. and considered um, so it did make him go I, I thought he would like it more because he, he does make movies like that like he like, he loves Strange but he said oh it just feels like a student film which it which basically was mm-hmm. um, but he just didn't I forgot the point I was making but <laughs> it was going to be so good it was about inspiring.
0: He took inspiration from it, or
1: he just inspi- inspired him to, to make something. To me, and that's also what I took away. And I think it's also originally what I I took away from it too was going. I think I could do that, and then but you actually watch it and pay attention to it. It's so meticulous. But the other thing we both thought is going. There's a man that writes down his dreams. <laughs> <laughs> there's a man that has a notebook by his bed. Yeah, and there's that's the thing that I think maybe nobody does like that is capture like the idea of the rabbit heads is something essential absurd but goes in like a disturbing dream image yeah and so it's it's almost like you know when we wake up and you have this dream that you think would be a great idea for and you start t- telling it and then halfway through you go actually this is a stupid idea for a movie he actually just makes the movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, yeah. He doesn't apologize for surrealism. Yeah. He's never tried to explain things. Uh, we're we're halfway through the Twin Peaks revival. Yeah, I'm I mean, about episode, episode five. Yeah, and episode nine just aired, so it's so um, literally. It's similar. Yeah, and so everyone is talking about what things mean, and apparently there are some explanations being dropped, and I don't know that I want them, but that David Lynch is, is yeah. Explaining them? There's a there's a black and white episode. I think it's episode eight that deals with the origin of the force they call Bob, the, right. the, the, the root of all evil. Yeah, yeah. And I am i haven't got to it yet, and I don't know that I want to. Yeah, I don't yeah. know that that's what I want from this show. But at the same time, if it's his explanation, I'm kind of curious, because it's not fan fiction. It'll actually be... His actual thing. A logic to it, yeah. But
1: the, and maybe that's why I also picked Eraserhead, because just going into... I was late coming to the... I've only ever seen the first season, and I haven't seen the second season. Hmm. And so I think my son has seen it, so he's explaining Okay, yeah, you know, Bob and things like that. Um, no but I, I started watching it right after John Doyle wrote about the golden age of television and the little thing erupted around that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, and then Twin Peaks happened and no one picked it up. No one picked up that ball. Yeah, It's its own thing. And it really, like, even though I do agree it perhaps is the golden age of, of television in a lot of ways, but there's still something about television that you see it and you know it's not film yeah so you go to see a like a cool uh, off the beaten track film at the film it's like a Sierra Nevada at the at TIFF and you watch the opening shot which is just held on this street corner for it seems like 10 minutes and you go whatever this is this is not television yeah <laughs> so you go because you're trying to think what's the difference between television and film now and you go you cannot do that on television and that's when you're watching I'm watching the original Twin Peaks Going, he is doing his own there's something very relaxing about watching somebody doing only what they want to do yeah. like an artist and there's a very few where you actually I suspend my critical uh, judgment because I'm just in the hands of an artist and I, take it away and, and every once in a while when you see something it's so relaxing it's so Rex it's actually so hard to do the original Twin Peaks uh, for the first season is a lot like that I think the new one is beyond (laughs) it's so it's almost like someone said we make Twin Peaks I'm going to do whatever I want (laughs) well okay really I'm going to do whatever I want but we'd love to have it and I'm I'm sure there's some regrets around that
0: but there's beautiful
1: beautiful like sequences or things where you're and when when you're in the realm like that, like working with almost pure dream imagery or the whatever part of you you're bouncing your ideas off of is m- deeper in your subconscious or is not the your um, Apollonian part of your brain um, it's you're just re- you're re- making a different agreement with the audience and I do think he's fully with the, the razor head is fully making that agreement yeah With the audience, even if at that time he thought he even had one.
0: Yeah, it's remarkable to see something that's so fully formed from a first time filmmaker. I mean, he'd made shorts, but nothing like this, I mean, nothing like this had ever existed. There are experimental films, there are surrealist films, but I don't think. Even now, I don't think we fully appreciate just how important Eraserhead is to cinema because it did point a new way. And, and when you brought up punk rock, that makes perfect sense. It is the same thing. It's the Blank City movement in New York right around the same time. The energy okay. was there to just sort of... Well, that was the when when punk bands and artists and right, writers right. took over the Lower East Side because right, they right. could. It right, was just right, cheap. Right. And Eraserhead was made in... I want to say Detroit, but that's probably not right either.
1: There's some Philadelphia thing in there, but it's...
0: It it might have been in L.A., because he was
1: at the AFI, but I don't know where he went to make it, to be honest.
0: It feels like the Rust Belt, right? I mean, it feels like pieces of things have rotted away, but that's the look of the movie. Yeah, and a lot of it
1: sets, too. I mean, Mm. obviously there's some exteriors, but...
0: Yeah, everything has radiators. It's all steam-powered. It's all... It's unspoken. Something has changed in the world that we've ended up here, or the world was always like this, and we're nowhere where we can get bearings
1: yeah and I, I also my original reaction at the idea of plumbing mm-hmm. and even though I never had like a a radiator like that the mist, and I think that is the metaphor the kind of the mystery of what's in the walls and that's what this, the sound is and the the angel woman in the, on the vaudeville the the stage yeah. behind the radiator I mean it sounds trite to say but it's like things I knew but I didn't know like an actual, and it was only until like even in my most uh, the house I live in now, tearing a wall out. I think I only resolved my eraser head dilemma <laughs> okay. when I was going. There's not that many pipes in here. Yeah, <laughs> but you just imagine this place where creatures may or may not live—mice, rodents, mm-hmm. bugs. You, know, I imagine coils of wires and yeah. and it's actually quite practical. But the this. Underbelly, and there's a shot in that I think is in Blue Velvet. I think is where he goes into the lawn. Yeah,
0: and it just and it's all bugs. into the bugs. Yeah. And
1: it that. That to me feels like the soundscape in Eraserhead, and that kind of um, what's beyond. That's that's very urban, so mm-hmm. it's very and that's made that industrial sort of. And I don't know. I don't know where that came
0: from yeah. for him. I wonder if it isn't also sexual. I mean, his, his big time. Yeah. His issues with sexuality run through all of his work. Yeah. Um, and I think it he has then, some troubles.
1: Well, they're not, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not living life troubles, but... Exactly. ...it has the same troubles I do, I think.
0: In terms of expressing things... Yes. ...this seems more comfortable for him to, to abstract it into... Yeah. ...well, there's all these pipes that I don't fully get. I, yes. I don't know what they're for, and yes. I don't want to touch them, but maybe I do. And the strange allure that he has for radiators and tubes and pipes and, yeah. and yeah. steam. Yeah, yeah. And the sense that if you... Dig into something deeply enough that all the secrets come out. Right. That's probably not how it works. But, but it's it also is like for him, the, right? The, like,
1: that's... like the, in the race, we the idea of having a child and getting married, By and raising a, knowing, a child, yeah. and all those cliches are, you know, meeting the like that they're all horribly enacted. Yeah. <laughs> but that sense that we all have that that's not really who we are, or there's this whole other part of us that is disgusting. It's physical and is demonic and that's just who we are and are those things resolvable Mm -hmm. probably not ever
0: yeah can you reconcile who you want to be with what you are building for yourself and and the world you live in
1: and what culture like brings to you as normal which brings to you as this is the way it is you you get a house you have a child you fall in love you know you do all those things and, and you will be happy
0: yeah
1: and the other thing that we all know about and it almost is is almost never talked about it's not and it's certainly not and that's why something like eraser would or the even the image of the rabbits or those kind of subconscious images strike people viscerally so that they actually hate something like hate a movie or go I can't fucking watch that or yeah yeah um, it's because it actually lands and your in- instinct is to dismiss it and i i don't think i, I was shocked cuz i i think eraser had i don't think i'd I think I saw it the, the once in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming like 81 or 2. The next day in Edmonton. And then I don't know if I've seen it since. Really? Properly. Since you revisited it. Since I revisited it. And it, because sometimes with movies like that... Because I did have that experience with Road Warrior, I went, aw. Like, I, still, I still I I still, have a special place in my heart for Road Warrior, but I was going,
0: that that's the whole thing? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's funny that there was this... Kind of after the new, after the American Renaissance, the, uh, the, the new independent cinema thing that happened in '67, right? It took another 10 years for art film to catch up, and so out of that, you get um, Eraserhead, which in its way is the surrealist film version of a talking head song. Like, it, I, yeah, I think yeah, about yeah. once in a lifetime a lot now,
1: yeah, yeah, and when I
0: when I and that was years later
1: but he came out of art school like, so he didn't have, have a film background so yeah. he came from a different I think it also really reveals there's a lot of time in, in film, television and in theater the idea of action and plot moving things forward which I really believe in and I really think is but there's also and it is eraser head, but also setting up and paying off of images has an energy that's served as well as plot Mm-hmm. So the little worm creature, which I still don't understand, <laughs> but it, it's an image that he sets up and pays off, and then just hands it over to the audience. Yeah. There's no, it doesn't really serve, as far as I can tell, um, any plot purpose.
0: No, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. I, I'm trying to figure it out even now. And this, those
1: sperm things, what, what, the return of imagery and the elaborating of imagery. Uh, which is seem to become more from someone who is interested in visual arts, maybe not uh, like um, temporal storytelling, Right. uh, is really instructive. And to have, to trust or to know and to figure out a way that those, like to have things that resonate very deeply with you and then just put them out there and then see what happens. It's probably hard to get money to do that. (laughs) I'm But it is the way to go. And it's very rare because even in non-corporate environments, it's infected every like it's there's a practicality to it, and it requires a level of leaping off Um, that I, I I'm wondering, I'm curious because it feels like with the new Twin Peaks that he has gone off right. message, he's gone off the he's gone off the grid, but I can in I can watch. Full episodes of that, I never get bored. But if we look at each other and go, I have no clue what just happened in that. Like yeah. I don't know, uh, is that Michael Sarah character ever going to come back? <laughs> I thought that was the, mo- the most brilliant thing that Michael Sarah's ever done—the Wally Brando thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Harry Dean Stanton uh, little set piece that's in there—I don't know how, if that's ever going to—and to uh, to sit there and linger on it, and to let it play out. Even if Harry Dean Stanton was a a, a lead in the show, it would be rare for him mm-hmm. to be just show up and to. I, I have no, I I don't know the criteria by what David Lynch made the decisions or however those decisions were made. Yeah. Um, but they seem to be from some other place that once again asks you just to sit back and and wonder about them.
0: Yeah, it, it is his incredible confidence, I think. Uh, in assembling these things that, that is what, pull, that's what pulls people back because yeah. there are people arguing for it you know, I remember at the time when Mulholland Drive came out right. which was a television pilot that didn't get picked up right. that he retrofitted into a film narrative right. and it still has five or six characters who factor into the very beginning of the movie that never really pay out like Robert Forster is in there and I right. still don't know what purpose he was supposed <laughs> to so he's obviously going to be a regular on the show yeah. had the show happen but Justin Theroux's character clearly stops doing whatever it is he's doing to become a function of this other story that they created. Um, The conversation about the the thing behind the Winkies (laughs) is terrifying and unsettling and clearly would have set something up that they would have paid out in the show. But I suspect he never really knew how he was going to end these things or resolve these things because the resolution he came up with for the film doesn't really make sense it makes emotional sense he creates a narrative where you believe what's happening and you accept it right but if you try to explain things from a strictly cause and effect relationship you can't
1: it and i wonder if that's the intent well there's that new thing or someone on facebook about david mamet won't allow q a's after his plays anymore oh i like that i do too but you know people are complaining about it but it is something i mean david mamet's I think it's, it seems to have his own problems
0: <laughs> yes he's not the David Mamet that we originally started working yes. with
1: but to say I don't want people discussing my work that way I think it's fair enough and it's actually in a lot of ways correct mm. to just walk away wondering about it and we don't actually really have to put too much value in that my wife's better I, I always tend to like how the work I, I do have I try to make things work and I like structure and so I am right. constantly and maybe that's my attraction to Eraserhead because I'm going I am mystified by how yeah how decisions how those decisions are are made
0: right we're drawn to the thing that we fear the most so yeah presented with a lack of structure you that you aren't responsible for you can embrace it
1: that you see this incredible possibility of just doing what and a, a part of me feels like that Twin Peaks came out of the because of the internet and all the like, going we want like people the demand for it, and yeah. the, and I, the demand for it maybe liberated him to go. I I'm going to just pursue, let my brain explode onto the yeah.
0: But they're so. But he's been doing that since Mulholland. I mean, since Lost Highway, really. I don't think he's made a conventional narrative movie since.
1: But that's great, like right? like the,
0: the Twin Peaks thing is insane. Mm. Well, Inland Empire is similarly this is Unmoored. Okay. It's unstructured. It's It has a private eye narrative, sort of, but it doesn't really, and it's...
1: It's a mix of, like in Twin Peaks, a mix of amateurism, like non-actors acting badly, great actors acting greatly. There's no contrived world, or seemingly no plan that I can imagine the Naomi Watts character being married to a Dougie as he was originally presented. Right. (laughs) That's true. Like, I can't, so I don't know and part of me goes i'm i'm this seems right to me i'm doing it or i'm i don't want to consider it i want to put it out there and let uh, let people sort it out which you cannot work that way you almost cannot work that way anymore
0: yeah well not if you're taking notes not if you're answerable yes and i think that's the appeal he has mark frost working with him to maybe ground I don't know if, if Frost is there to ground Lynch or ground the project, to sort of give the uh, collaboration that way it isn't just one person's vision and it's more palatable to the people writing the checks. You know, or the just the necessities
1: together. of directing and writing at the same time. That... Yeah.
0: That's also probably part of it. I mean, you couldn't maintain that workload. Not 19 hours of new story. And you
1: must have some kind of similar aesthetic because the writing is awesomely bad. <laughs> <laughs> But in a way, that was my original plan. If I have nothing to say, just like those... When you say the suspended scream, the other thing he does is has really mundane dialogue and just leaves huge swaths of silence yeah. or the whatever, the... yeah between it, so it you actually have to hear it and you hear its absurdity. And in some cases particularly in the new Twin Peaks uh, a little bit in the racer head there's also it's not even a dry delivery it's a mm. it's a mundane it's a mundane but it's still lived in
0: yeah it's stylized and naturalistic at the same time it's because like, the dialogue is I'm thinking of like the cowboy in Mulholland Drive if, if you do good you will see me once more if you do bad you will see me twice more right. no one talks like that yeah. <laughs> and it's delivered in such a casual way that it's yeah. not cartoon villainy. Yeah. But when it comes out of this person's kind of high-reedy delivery, it's unsettling yeah, yeah. because we know what it means even though we don't know what it we means. We don't know what it means. Yeah. And everyone in a Lynch film has that ability with with the occasional actor who isn't properly integrated. I think mean, Balthazar Getty and Lost Highway kind of struggles with it here and there, but I think the is supposed to struggle with it, so it's okay. But Twin Peaks feels like the,
1: the new, the, feels like a perfect mishmash of all that stuff. Yeah, and a real celebration of, and it makes the kind of Americana stuff really work.
0: That's true. Re- I mean, really Blue well. Velvet has imagery, but it doesn't integrate the Americana. It doesn't integrate the theme with the actions because we go right into the underworld. We're not.
1: Right. We're never normal. But we have the the comic Lachlan Laura Dern as kind of the. 50, the ideal, like, right, yeah, for uh, 50s. And he always seems, and this is a more, uh, in Eraserhead, but I can't tell. He's got the, the kind of the, the Madonna, the Virgin, and the dark lover, like the, mm. Laura Dern and um, Isabella Rossellini, and, and Kyle McLaughlin's sexuality. He feels very similar to Henry's in yeah. Eraserhead, yeah. where there's the, the push and pull, the love that he mm. should be doing, and then the, the neighbor in, in Eraserhead, where it's. It feels r- r- wrong and real and impossible and not real. It feels more to do with the fantasy and more to do with the, the sounds the plumbing is making. And, yeah. And,
0: um, well, and also in hand we start with an established domesticity. Yeah, yeah. So he would be straying as opposed to Blue Velvet, where I think Jeffrey's supposed to be home from college, so he's still young enough that he hasn't picked right. his, his path yet. Right, yes. And so the whole movie is a battle for his soul. Right, right. Which turns out to somewhere in the middle right. because he yeah. t- kind of doesn't mind being corrected.
1: <laughs> but the, the thing the the, the uh, woman the lady in the radiator this is where I can't where I can't tell who she is in the movie I can't mm. tell and I can't tell when I first I was, when I was re-watching I was going the things that her presence in the movie was the first thing that came into mind like a thing that I struck me the, the sounds of the radiator and her presence behind there which in the original was for me, a lot more menacing. Mm-hmm. Like I felt there was something dangerous about that, and right. I don't.
0: So she's not offering um, escape. She's offering. She's a trap. She's or she's offering menace because
1: like, she's got those freakish
0: cheeks that yeah. you can't
1: tell. But she's so naive. Like, she's a beautiful actor in the in the movie. She's like a really great actor. But I can't tell if she's her need for him is drawing him into something. And it is ambivalent. It is ambivalent. Because yeah. at the end, you, he's loves being held by her, but at the same time, you're not sure if a good thing has happened to him or a bad thing has happened to
0: yeah. him. Yeah, it's presented in such a way like that last shot goes on a little too long. You're, yeah, just, yeah. you're trapped with it. And yeah. you start to feel trapped. And then the solarizing thing happens with the light coming up and the you know, that incredible yeah, yeah. overpowering brightness.
1: Yeah, and the it sounds.
0: Like yeah, 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 something. It could be release. It could be... Uh, track closing
1: yeah but I'm just wondering in terms of his relationship with the the, the kind of like the layers of how sexuality manifests itself or doesn't manifest itself in our culture Mm. I can kind of see there's a kind of obvious um, symbolism to who Mary is and who the the neighbor is but with her because she's the third and and I, I can't tell exactly yeah which I don't think is a bad thing at all. I'm just kind of... Uh, um, but that was one thing that I was going... That's the thing that really... I really remember. I remember the piles of dirt from the... Just these things I'm going... Because I saw it over 30 years ago. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the images and, and the idea of odd silences and has it's, it's really st- stuck with me. Like, I'm trying to think about... Like, in theatre, I'm always... The idea of silence has always bothered me. I've, I even tried to write about it. I've tried to go, like... Why are we agreeing that this is silent? Hmm. And I'm actually wondering if that goes back to just Eraserhead and, and the how much of those images feel like a primal or source images for me, but how much of them only feel that way because they resonated because they were illuminated from something I had already intimated. Because I do have a real, I think a genuine anger around feeling tricked by my own culture around product and, and the... Um, the the kind of this is the way it is the kind of suburban um, placid and and it's getting ripped away even more like I've just read uh, the inconvenient Indian by Thomas King which is just okay. brutal about and all this stuff around Canada 150 and all this and uh, I'm not your Negro this kind of Uh, in heaven like this kind of uh, um, we're we're happy we're middle class and we're white and everything is great but we know something is wrong which well I'm not your Negro completely shattered yeah (laughs) but I think that was basically what almost what David Lynch's project is because he has these kind of sometimes not so much in Erasure but these kind of kitschy sort of um, cliched visions of Americana and then the violence that goes against there's no irony in a a lot of that violence it's it's it seems intentionally visceral like the killing of the baby in Eraserhead yeah is grotesque which highly naturalistic like it's highly met I mean it's it's not a real creature but the it's not there's nothing stylized or put on about that moment
0: there's no fantasy Involved. It's I no. Mean, or it's, these I are guts
1: a... and the actual inner workings. This is, th- and that's oh, where like yeah. the plumbing in our organs, and pulling those things out of yeah. his wife and throwing them against the wall. They, that we are animal, violent, awful biological things, and we things come out of us. Yeah, well, <laughs> and think... that's who we are. But we spend most of our time pretending that we're not there. We're we creating this. Fantasy of ourselves as as not that, yeah. and when those things come into conflict, like in child making, it's yeah. you know it's a it's, it's explosive. It's, a, yeah. it's also, if, I mean, I've I've seen children come out. Okay. <laughs> it's not there's nothing like Rick. You can come in now. Yeah. Oh, and then everyone's like wrapped in. It's a we are animals. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And it's a violent, ridiculous. <laughs> And I do think I was also thinking. Oh, Eraserhead's also *A Race also it's a horror movie. Sure, yeah. And I and because it is rooted in the fear of the female reproductive system, which I think is essentially what all horror, almost all horror, is about. And well, it's either birth or death. Yeah. Birth or death, or a loss of virginity. It's you know all those the slasher movies. That's true. Halloween. I mean, Alien in a lot of ways. I'm trying to think of. Most most great horror movies can be go? Once upon a time, there was a little girl, and and there's the ones that pop into my mind. Maybe not The Shining.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but The Shining is about yeah. The Shining is about the fa- the failure of a family.
1: Yeah, for sure. From yeah. the inside yeah.
0: Like the, the the father is trying to kill the mother yes. pretty much the whole time.
1: And it's her battling that monster uh, over a child, yeah. basically saving a child. Yeah. So I guess in a way it is.
0: And I think that the moment you start talking about radiators, you start you know you have to imagine steam and release yeah. valves yes. and pressure. Yeah. yeah. And eraserhead is all about that explosion not happening. Yes. It's just the the whatever Henry is going to do to resolve this, someone is going to get hurt. Yes. And by turning that on, by by turning the child into something horrific. I mean, I've, there's one reading that i have considered where the child is perfectly normal but that's how he sees it right he just can't conceive of having a responsibility like that and so it has to be monstrous yes and so his in-laws are horrible I mean this this could just all be um someone's psychotic break that we're witnessing
1: well it certainly goes I mean you're never in certainly never in realism Mm -hmm. but in the in the agreement with the movie like when he actually you know it becomes his head is turned into erasers yeah yeah and then he wakes up again or he comes back to reality and you go, did he sleep with the neighbor?
0: Yeah, what did, what did that represent?
1: Where did his wife go? What is that creature? Because the creature is innocent, like crying, and the way the kids do Is gets sick and he cares for it and laughs at his sexual failure. Yeah. Uh, seems manipulative. In this recent viewing, there's not as much horror for me around that the kid, but in the original watching of it, yeah. There's more a sense of a danger around.
0: Yeah, I, I...
1: That could be where I was in my reproductive cycle. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, find, I found it a lot more... I found the baby itself a lot more disturbing the first couple of viewings. But oh, I wonder if that's not simply because it is disturbing. It is very disturbing. And now disturbing. I'm used to it. Yes. I've just seen that. Yes. I've seen this film. I know what's going to happen. Yes. You can relax in a different way when you watch a film the second time. Yeah, or yeah. Or the third or the fourth. And now, even now, I'm still trying to figure out how the hell they built it. It's something Lynch has never talked about yeah, even yeah. in this this latest documentary that came out earlier this year David Lynch the art life yeah. he won't go into detail he just well you know we, we shot it we but he's like a, he's it.
1: like Beckett in that sense but you going if you end t- not wanting to talk about and yeah, yeah. when you get into that and i'm sure i'm sure that you could figure it out
0: yeah it can't be i mean it can only be a few things
1: and and the fact they had no money like it was that uh, and the thing is pretty animated, like it's pretty great,
0: yeah.
1: But to sit to not let the conversations go in that direction, yeah, so for you 40 can actually years, let the thing be its thing, not talked yeah, about, yeah.
0: yeah. But he's he's one of those filmmakers too who became, I think, a lot less interesting once he went into therapy, he right he started to express things differently right around the time of right after Twin Peaks, I think. Um, and then, I mean, his most conventional film came out then around that time in The Straight Story in 99, right, which, right. is, which is a wonderful... I've never seen it. It's great. It's simple.
1: That's Richard Farnsworth and, and Harry Dean yeah. uh,
0: driving, uh, driving Well, yeah. Farnsworth driving a riding more across America to see his brother. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And all it is is everything that Lynch has ever dealt with. It's just completely divorced from his trappings. It's right. simply representational. What you see is what's happening and it's an right. ordinary American story. Right. But it's marvelous. And then he went right back into, at the same like he because he had just made Lost Highway, and then on the other side of that was Mulholland Drive and Inland Empire, and it's like this little moment where he considers that maybe there's another way. Yeah. And that making making a conventional movie is as revolutionary an act for him (laughs) as anyone else making a David Lynch movie. Um, and it's maybe the bookend to Eraserhead in a weird accidental way because it does suggest that this is how it would have worked if you just had a normal life. This right, are, these are the things you would have done. This right, is the right, movie that you would have ended I'm up making. I am going to watch that next. Watch oh, that it's one. very good.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've always wanted to, but for some reason, I've just never seen it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's fascinating to see a normal, you know, in, in inverted commas, movie come out of Lynch because he's so clearly able to do it, he just doesn't want to.
1: Yes, but Elephant Man's pretty, pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just beautifully realized. Yes, yes, it is. It's a beautiful film. But I was kind of, I was actually surprised, and I always want to know the story about how. I mean, I've watched like, interviews and stuff. And mm-hmm. you see someone like, going from Eraserhead to Elephant Man. It's night and day. Yeah. And there's well,
0: no... You know who the producer was, right? The great of You saw Eraserhead and said, yeah. let's see what you can do with money.
1: Yeah. And that's like someone just recognizing an artist. Yeah. But it's, I think it takes outrageous courage to go say, I think the Eraserhead
0: guys are a guy. Yeah. Because they can go anywhere. And what you get is this beautiful. I mean, it's 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 similar to a razor head, in it's steam. It's you know, it's, yes. a, it's a Victorian world, powered by gases and repression. It's kind yes. of similar, and this hi- hi- kind of
1: hideousness, within in, you know, then that line that resonates for everybody. I'm not an animal. I'm a, I'm a human being. Yeah, and is the that theme, which is I think in most of his movies, is the culture, the agreed culture, the yeah. the repressed and then the thing underneath that we have to we we battle whether we
0: yeah well I mean that's and that it's in Twin Peaks as well it's the sense of an invasion of uh, something that is penetrating and shattering which again can be sexual in its expression but with the Elephant Man it's the the shock the horror and then the sadness that settles in afterwards Eraserhead has a melancholy to it because Henry is Resigned in a lot of ways to the life that he's leading, but he doesn't seem to like it.
1: But he also kills an innocent. I mean, he does kill that when the killing of the baby is a full, like
0: it's it's a killing of a baby.
1: There's nothing. The baby's reaction is oh no, it's horrible. uh, It's a horrible reaction.
0: Yeah, and And the movie doesn't approve of it at all. There's no sense that the season is an escape or.
1: But you also feel like there's nothing for us for him that he that he wasn't meant
0: yeah
1: but I guess maybe that is the the, um, the part that gives you the release valve when it's an absurdism you can kind of maybe this isn't real yeah I mean aside from being a movie but within the parameters of the story that maybe this is a fantasy maybe this bit ba- like you said this baby is
0: it's an abstraction know, an yeah.
1: abstraction but
0: so maybe this I, now that you're describing it this way I'm thinking well this is the shining too like it's the same story yeah really, truly yeah, yeah. so you're yeah. trapped in a place you don't want to be and your family's suddenly yeah. monstrous and you can't handle it anymore and the idea of,
1: I mean, ghosts and haunted, like the, the some kind of murder through the window in mm-hmm. the Razorhead, the neighbor, the. And I, and I was reading, there's a scene that was cut out that seemed really weird about more life in the building. Mm. And although it's not. The, the Shining is actual ghosts, yeah, <laughs> or, or however probably, you want to manifest yeah.
0: that. 80%. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> something's yeah. going wrong there. But that feeling of the building. Well, I the lady in the radiator and having presences and being haunted. And, yeah,
0: like a malevolent space.
1: And, you know, the dirt and the, whatever, the fiber stuff that's... is part of the real world of the shit.
0: Yeah, the thing you can't ignore. You can't, but there it is. There. It's
1: like no one questions it, no one gets a broom. That's true. <laughs> it's just
0: accepted. Yeah, yeah. People having seizures, those weird little turkeys. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: The, ter- the little the little chicken dinners, the other thing yeah. that... It's probably the first image that I remember the... The repre- repressed sexuality of the mother. Yeah. And it's very so sexual. And father obsessed with plumbing. Yeah, I, this time around I, I watched it. I, I had that with um, an unrelated movie, The Big Lebowski. It was not unrelated in terms of it's never resolved in my mind. Okay. It never lands in the best kind of way because there's things of it that, that are just absurd, like the dream sequences in particular. Right. But it's the kind of movie I can just pick up and watch twice in a row mm-hmm. and not. And the same thing with Eraserhead. I just watched it, and then right after, my son was there. And I was like,
0: oh, you have to see Eraserhead.
1: Because he had never seen it. Yeah. So I thought, I'll just start watching. because uh, There's something he's working on, the guy, the, the kind of demonic character with the letters, who mm-hmm. I also can't figure out. I just yeah. wanted him to see, see that, and then we ended up watching it. But I was seeing it. I had ju- just seen it, and still the images are because they're I mean Big Lebowski doesn't have this but because the this something that's it just all feels genuine so anything that has genuine, I used to think about uh, Peter Sellers acting you can think about it and talk about it but you can't you have to see it because in that kind of comic timing there's a kind of grace in there that you have to experience right and someone said that about poetry the, the the truth of po- poetry is you have to be reading the poem to actually have that feeling you can't take it away with you in, in the same way that it's in the structure of the poem and I feel that with the images in an eraser head they're just, they're living images in a way that you know my, my older son saw the new Spider-Man movie and kind mm-hmm. of just feels a bit dead on arrival to him because he feels like all this stuff Right, it's been like it's
0: nothing. Yeah, it's the sixth one in fifteen years. Yes, it's, it's a
1: <laughs> and the sketched in characters, and you go. There's no, and you, you go, and you understand that's not what that movie is. But there's no. You can walk away from that movie and still have it with you, yeah. and, and it, you can keep coming back to something like Eraserhead because it has the energy of, for me anyway, the energy of a, a great poem. Or you, you watch it, like him getting that little worm, hook worm, mm. putting their opening and then it becomes like, and then something happens. So it's just kind of always living that you can never yeah. land on it once you figure it out.
0: Yeah, it won't be left alone. Yeah. It won't be left behind.
1: Yes. You're yeah, yeah. stuck
0: carrying it around. Yeah, yeah. So that, well, that actually brings us to the, the, the closer, the, the captain question, the final question in the podcast is always the same. Uh, what, if anything, of head have you used or stolen or borrowed or incorporated into your own creative DNA?
1: I think a lot of my... my It was interesting because I when I think of Waiting for Godot I always think of that as kind of something I keep coming back to but I, I actually do think it is Eraserhead um, I think Eraserhead and David Lynch and there's artists that you kind of who I think to my mind maybe it's not uh, well informed they're who are actually invent something and they give you they give you permission Mm. so you get permission from Beckett because it feels like he made something out of nothing and uh, and shifted the way we look at theatre and literature I feel with Eraserhead and then watching the new Twin Peaks too going You can do anything. Like this person, this artist gives you permission to to do anything. And so, a lot—not so much in my acting work, but a lot of my writing uh, work—that's where it tends to to go, if if I can if I can get it to go there. And is to try and scramble and let images uh, kind of stand up, like uh, stick like sore thumbs, and let people. work them out on their own, if they can, or or be able to say, I don't know what that means, but I think there's something in it that I I like. But very specifically, and for my acting, and this never occurred to me, Oh yeah, and this is just a naturalism, is the notion of subtext, which is kind of an absurd notion. It's actually, the phrase means nothing to me, that you would have text running in your head. But the idea that you don't, no one can read your mind, and you can form... You don't have to conjure emotional things. If you have a strange mind, Mm -hmm. you can think strange thoughts. Right. And that's how our minds actually work, is they work in a dreamlike way. So I was doing a scene a a couple years ago, and I was really having trouble. It was like someone playing my wife, and I, I couldn't. So I just started creating weird images in my head. I'm like sitting there going, no one can read my, and I can... So I would say that the realm of my thinking was closer to Eraserhead <laughs> okay. than I would normally think would be, uh, would be impractical, but it's actually not impractical that you're... You can, you can think whatever you want to think. Like, and that kind of is the courage that... Um, particularly on Eraserhead, because I, I wrote a strange play a number of years ago nowhere near as strange as um, Eraserhead <laughs> and it was pretty vulnerable making when it, when it played and I've thought people are going to think I'm crazy I, just, I was sitting in the audience going that's uh, not a well person made that <laughs> and one of my best friends came up to me and as a joke but I didn't take it like that he goes you're out of your mind and I'm like oh my god I am but I was re- uh, they were showing rough cuts of Eraserhead uh and someone got up and yelled at them, this is not how people talk, and this is... Right. We're outraged by it. And how how, how do you uh, keep keep going? Because I, I, me and most people I know would go, I quit, or yeah. I'll do something else. And, and I, I admire John Cassavetes for that as well. We,
0: Just the idea that this is the only thing you want to do, the only thing you can do, so you have to find a way to do it. And... Uh, it's like the, uh,
1: that Charlie Kaufman speech about, you know, do something truthful because it'll make someone a hundred years from now less lonely. I'm totally paraphrasing. Yeah. But the idea that because the images in Eraserhead are so truthful that they do make you less lonely when you watch them because you still recognize them. But uh, I would say that uh, Well, I would say I don't even know if I would maybe necessarily be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for possibly Eraserhead around that time because it was that and seeing a fringe show were the two things that made me because I never really saw unusual movies or nothing, mostly television mm-hmm. you know Saturday morning cartoons Yeah, there wasn't much out
0: there that was there wasn't
1: in Edmonton
0: well and on television generally
1: on te- mean, television yeah nothing yeah. I mean I remember they pulled The Exorcist <laughs> <laughs> because it was too uh, satanic. Wow! But we there was no opportunity to see that. And 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 theater wise, I never went. But it was the, the Edmonton Fringe Festival that. So in that way, Eraser had affected my work. It is possible <laughs> that right. I wouldn't be doing it, yeah. or wouldn't be attracted to the things I'm attracted yeah. to at all. Had I not uh, seen that movie when I was probably in a psych- weird psychosexual space and wondering if the culture i was living in is real at all
0: yeah well you just you know and that's you're just in that rubbery stage where you're open to anything yeah and you happen to see it at the right time but and that's what i love about the art the art doesn't change we change it's true So there's constantly going to be there will always be 17 year olds discovering a racer head even 100 years from now if we're still around yeah and it'll still be just as impenetrable and strange yes and you can read as you were saying you can read a book about it but until you see it you don't really understand what it feels like to see this film yes and yeah you were there at the right time but it was there for you too it was whoever programmed
1: it at the Princess (laughs) Theatre didn't know what happened but I still have a visceral memory of uh, being really jarred and perhaps I think of it as a horror movie because it not only was a well it kind of is but it was kind of horrifying in the the, ba- the image of the baby or woman crushing—I don't even think I even conceived that they were sperm right. creatures at the time, and that the bed could open up and be a weird swamp. Like, like yeah. those things just wouldn't occur to you outside of—it uh, wouldn't have occurred to me at all.
0: Yeah, uh, but that's why we have David Lynch to just sort of point at it, to put those images out yeah. there and say, "Look, no one else can do this." I th-
1: he's pr- he's pretty unique. There's a couple other... I can only think of one offhand whose movies I don't even particularly enjoy. Um, I want to see Enter the Void, Gaspar... Oh, no Wayne. way, yeah. Mm. It's not a great movie, but at the same time, you got to go, no one was telling that guy what to do. Yeah, that's true. I <laughs> so I do that. it really... When, when that happens, I go... Uh, I, that that movie certainly was not an Eraserhead thing for me, but I remember totally relaxing, especially when like the camera's flying through the... Kind of porn hotel. Yeah, goes up into an airplane, comes back down. And going, what? Like they had to plan that. Like who? Yeah. And but then you just kind of relax. But anyway, that that is in
0: you're in yeah. someone else's control in the same way. But it's just not. <laughs> yes, engaging. he's
1: doing. He's doing exactly. And there's something thrilling. T- talent, no talent, whatever. That someone's just putting the thing out there that they want to say. Here it is. Uh, I might have failed.
0: <laughs> That's art.
1: That's art. It is true.
0: My thanks to Rick Roberts, who's on stage in waiting for Godot in Toronto at the Young Center for the Performing Arts through Saturday, October 7th. You can find Showtime's and ticket information at soulpepper.ca. And check out Rick's performance on The Complete 150, a sort of heritage comedy released earlier this summer on the Soulpepper podcast. You can find Rick on Twitter at Rick Roberts, all one word spelled R-R-I-C-K-R-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. And you can find Eraserhead on Blu-ray and DVD in a typically marvelous special edition from the Criterion Collection. It's also available on iTunes and Google Play. And in a happy coincidence, Criterion just released David Lynch, The Art Life, today on Blu ray and DVD. That's a documentary by Olivia Niergard Holm, Rick Barnes, and John Nguyen about Lynch's early life. And it touches on the creation and production of Eraserhead in a lot of interesting ways. If you're curious at all about any of those things, you should absolutely pick that up. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast. S E M Cast and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. If you want to leave a review up on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Just don't try to out David Lynch. Can't be done. Thanks for listening. <laughs>